everyone. If you're still in bed and not quite here, raise your hand. I hear you. All right, that's where I'm at this morning. It's good to see everybody here. If you would take your Bibles, go to First Thessalonians. Now, I know Pastor gave me my notes. They probably are. I'll be okay. Now, that's really embarrassing. That's it right there. <laughs> Thank you. So you want me to teach this, right? <laughs> All right. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're looking at continuing our series on anchored, being anchored. I'm having a hard start at morning. Usually I'm all put together. I know what I'm doing. I'm all focused. I didn't wake up this morning focused. I didn't wake up there this morning. And I think it had something to do with this morning. I got in the shower, started washing, scrubbing my head, everything. And I live in an old house. And as I'm scrubbing my head, I felt like something just kept on. Like I just felt like something was like not good. And I, you know, scrubbing my, you know, the shampoo out of my hair. And I looked down and there's a spider. Now that's enough right there to set my house on fire, you know? I'm not afraid of spiders. I get a healthy fear of spiders. You know, it's like there's a, there's a picture. It says when I, when I see a spider, I turn into a mafia boss. You know, its family's got to die. Its house has got to buy. Its business. That's kind of where it happened to me this morning. So I'm having a little bit of an issue on that one. But anyways, First uh, Thessalonians chapter number five. You know, when I was a kid, I was fearless. I loved, I loved spiders. I used to collect daddy long legs. You know, I used to collect those things and put them in my... Here it goes. I used to put them in the little you know, milk boxes, you know, the side of the house for the milk. I used to put them there. That's why I had a whole collection of daddy long legs in there. I was fine until one day I went to my grandfather's house and they was watching a movie called Anacrophobia. <laughs> and ever since then, just don't like spiders. But anyways, first lesson is chapter five. We've been going through looking at the word anchored as an acronym and showing different things in our life of how we should be anchored in the things of God. We should be anchored and not swayed, not easily moved. And the first week we talked about the absolutes of God's word, and it really kind of builds on each other if you think about it, the absolute of God's word and how God's word ought to have the authority in everything we say and everything that we do. Everything. So when we look at that, when you look at society today, they want to sway even the absolutes of God's word. They corrupt God's word. They corrupt what the Bible says. They corrupt the, the definition of what's being said. They corrupt, um, they corrupt the application of what's being said. They just destroy it. And, and um, the, world, the world around us, so I mean the world, I'm talking about the, you know, the evil, the, the evil that's in the world around us. And it's, sadly, it even creeps into some churches. But we need to go back and hold on to the absolute of God's word and the fact that, hey, we need to live our lives accordingly. Then we looked at our namesake. Last week, we looked at our name, having a testimony, having a good character, and having something that we can pass on to our kids, to our grandkids, and even leaving something behind that we have something to hold our head up by, even at Anchor Baptist Church, that when we do pass away, we can look back and say, you know what, Anchor Baptist Church is a stronghold. Anchor Baptist Church stays firm on the, on the things of God. I don't have to worry about anchor going, going astray. I don't have to worry, worry about them letting sin in there and letting sin have its reign. I'm thankful for that, right? We need to have that same idea when we come to our namesake and our character, our testimony. Having the absolute of God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and on us in all matters of righteousness, judgment, and loving kindness, it doesn't always mean that we will. Face it. 
on our own, we often fail to do the things that we should and find ourselves doing the things that we shouldn't. The Apostle Paul, now that he walked on water, that was Peter, uh, being one generation removed from earth, the earthly ministry of Christ, found himself calling himself wretched. Why? Because he didn't do the things which he should and found himself doing the things that he shouldn't. We find that in Romans chapter 7. He says, O wretched man that I am. Paul, you wrote 13, arguably 14 books of the New Testament, and you're calling yourself wretched? Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Wow. <laughs> if he's calling yourself that, what is he going to call me? Or even worse, Brother Tannis. I mean, but anyways... But in First Thessalonians, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this purpose of having anchored. Now, today we're going to combine. We're going to combine two letters today. We're going to combine CH. Now, the reason why I'm doing that is because if you say C by itself, it could be S, right? But then the H kind of is a silent H. But if you put it together, it says K, which is pretty cool. Everybody say K. Come on now, everybody say K. Right, cool. Word blend. Now everybody says choo-choo, right? It's a, different, it's a different sound. Say choo-choo, right? Same word blend, just a different lettering, so it's weird how it goes. I was teaching my girls phonics this week, you know, trying, trying to catch them up a little bit, and it caught me off guard. So this is right about the time on Tuesday when I was writing my lesson. It was on Tuesday going over phonics. But now anyways. Um, even ha so in First Thessalonians chapter number 5, I love this passage. It's, a, it's one of my favorite passages of all time. In fact, out of all 66 books, this is one of them that I absolutely love. <laughs> it says in verse 11, now it's speaking about the rapture, it's speaking about Christ coming back for us, talking about the day where we're gathered to Christ, and it says in 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Whether we're dead in Christ or alive until he's until coming, we're going to reign with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. Where do we do that at? Church, right? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to drink some water. Bear with me for a second. This is going to sound gulping, so bear with me. I haven't mastered drinking water with a microphone. So, <laughs> verse number 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Where do we find those people over us? Church. And to esteem them very highly for, in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Okay, the first part. Where do we find the first part at? <laughs> church. Those that labor among us, right? Church. And be at peace among yourselves. Not at a Baptist church, right? Verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Where do we do that at? Well, church, right? Verse number 15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Where do we start that at? Church. And then where does it go to? Society, to the world, right? Look at verse number 16. Rejoice evermore. Where do we do that at? Church. Verse number 17. Pray without ceasing. Where do we do that at? Church, starting at church. Verse number 18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Where do we start that at? Church. Verse number 19. Quench not the spirit. Where do we do that at? Church. 
Verse number 20, despise not prophesyings. Now, that's not talking about someone getting up there and speaking in some, you know, you know, Honda, 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 it's the prophesying is preachings, teachings, explaining things from the word of God. Despise not preaching. Don't despise preaching. Where do we do that at? Church. Prove all things. Where do we do that? At church. Hold fast to that which is good. Where do we do that? At church. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Where do we start that at? Church. Now, I'm saying that because the first thing we're going to look at today is church. If we want to be anchored in the Christian life, we need to have church. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all came to Sunday school today. Some of y'all may be in the choir. That's even a double blessing. But we go to the, we go to the, we go to the Word of God, and we find out that church is important. It's vital for the believers. I was out yesterday, and I'm looking, making sure the person I was talking to is here. And there's some people I talked to yesterday. I talked to five different people. And five people I talked to, each of them told me that they had not, they were still looking for a church or that they don't, they didn't, they're, they're still looking for the right church. They're looking for that right church. And it's because a lot of churches stop doing what's listed here in verse number 11 through verse 22, 23. And we got off on everything else. Church is important to the believer. We're going to look at that. So let me get, let me, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to bless our time, getting past my introduction here. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me this morning. I pray you would help me to speak clearly uh, the things that were prepared uh, throughout the week. Lord, the things you laid in my heart, I pray that Lord, you would um, give me clarity, give me focus. I, Lord, I pray to help me to speak exactly what you'd have me say and speak not the things you'd have not have me to say. Help me to not speak with guile or with too much sarcasm or with too much um, humor, but Lord, speak truthfully in words that will be acceptable to the hearers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We need to have a good church home. Christ is magnified when we have harmony with Christ inwardly. When we have harmony with Christ inwardly, there's harmony. There's harmony in our hearts. There's harmony in our life. I'm right with God. I'm right with man. And after all, that's what all the law of the prophets hang on, is it not? Jesus said the greatest commandment is the love of the Lord, the God with all the heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And the second is likened to it. What is it? Love your neighbors yourself. So in essence, what Christ is saying in that passage is, Love God, love your neighbor. If I'm right with God, but I'm not right with man, I'm not right with God. But if I'm right with man, but I'm not right with God, I'm not right with man. I have to have that perfect harmony towards that. And I think, you know, that's why we find with Christ, he grew in favor with God and in favor with man. He grew in that understanding and stature. And it's a constant struggle, is it not? And that's why we come to the Word of God. That's why we come to the church to learn how we ought to be and develop towards that purpose. Holiness is inward. Holiness is inward, holiness outwardly. Right? So it's inward holiness demonstrated outwardly. Praise is inwardly being praised outwardly. If we're praising God, it's inward praise, but we're demonstrating it outwardly. If we're holy on the inside, it's going to be demonstrated holiness 
outside. What happens on the in is going to happen on the out. What we see in heaven is ought to be manifested in our lives as it is in heaven, right? The Lord's, you know, we, we, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer we read, Our Father, which art in heaven, right? That prayer, however you want to describe it, he says, on earth as it is in heaven. So he's like, whatever's happening in heaven, how it ought to be in heaven ought to be happening within us. It's the kingdom of God. And that's what we ought to seek after and doing those very things. And it ought to be found within the church house. Now, I'm not going to get into the long, dis- long discourse about what other churches are doing. I'm going to talk about why we ought to stay in church. But we are here. Amen? I'm not going to beat a dead horse. You are here. It is vital for us to have a church home. We need to have a church home. By the way, we need to have a church home that we're members of. We need to have a church home that we're faithfully committed to. And the reason why is because it gives us, it blesses us as much as we're a blessing to the people around us. It gives us a level of authority, of accountability. We need to have that. I was talking, there's, there's um, recently someone came and visited the church and, or sorry, wrong story. My wife and I were out in the nursing home this past week and um, my wife left her Bible there in between services. So Sunday night, she did not have her Bible. And she looked out of her mind bored. And I was like, I do it all the time, just kidding. But I was like, she, she left her Bible at the nursing home. So Sunday night, she came to church and she was like, she left, she, she lost her Bible. She was, I think it's at the nursing home. So after church, we went back to the nursing home and got it. There's a lady coming out and she had a shirt on that said Baptist, Baptist Church on her, on her shirt. And my wife's like, hey, great, can I give you a track? And she was like, we'd love to have you come to the church. Or where do you go to church at? She goes, oh, I go to all different churches. I go to the Catholic church, the Methodist church, the Lutheran church. People just church hop and they visit different churches and they say, well, it doesn't matter what church I go to. Well, no, it does matter what church you go to. And it matters that you belong to a church. To be, to be part of service, to be joined into something. It's not right to have a married couple shack up. Sorry. We should have married couples shock up. It's, it's not right for unmarried people to shock up. There's no common law marriage with God. Get married. Make that commitment. Make it right and honorable. When you come to church, it's for that same purpose. It gives dependability. It gives a place of service. It gives a place of trust. It gives accountability to the pastor. Not, that he, not just that we're accountable to him, but now he's accountable to us. Boy, we're going to hold that over his. No, we, we want to make sure that he's, we want him to walk right. We want him to serve right. We want him to, to preach right. We want him to teach right. And having members help towards that, it gives him stability. It gives him um, that, that extra bit of, of accountability that he has towards. The same as like if, you would, if you can have a job, you can go to the job agency and you can get a temp job and show up at this job over here working at the same factory as another guy that works alongside. But when retirement comes... You don't get the pension. I mean, you've worked for, for 10 years. You worked there for 20 years, but you don't have the pension. You don't have the benefits that came with us other people because you never joined the job. Churches, oh, you, need a, you should join a church for that. I've got five reasons, according to this passage, of why we should have a church home. Number one is for our environment. By the way, not only should you join church, but we should also be faithful to the church. What good is it if you're? What good is it if you're if you're a member of a church you never there, right? I mean, look at the. This doesn't make any sense. The church is a place of environment. It's for fostering a healthy environment to learn and grow spiritually. We find that in verses eleven through twenty-four. 
Look at verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and, and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want all blameless. But where does that take place? Where does that spiritual growth, where does that part take, where does it take place at? Church. It's the environment that God has given us. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, the church had just had a massive influx of growth, right? 5,000 people were added. And the Bible says they were all in one accord. They were going from house to house. They had all things common. They were in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, and the Lord added to this church, and people were getting saved and baptized. That's powerful. That's exciting. Who doesn't want to be part of that? But that same church was also the one that was getting persecuted. They would have never lasted the persecution and being scattered abroad. Physically, starting churches everywhere they went, preaching the gospel everywhere they went, if they had not had a fostered, healthy environment. I think the greatest church in the Bible, and, I'm, and I, I, Brother Jeremy ranks everything top five. So I'm going to give you the top five churches. I think the church, of, the church of Antioch was one of the greatest churches ever, existed ever. Look at the people that were in that church. And the pastor was not listed, named as the, being the pastor of that church. But they had Paul. They had Barnabas. They had, they had other Rufus. They had other people in that church. That, I think it was Rufus. They had other people in that passage in Luke, in uh, first, uh, Acts chapter 13. And you see the people in that passage that were just out of that church. Amazing. Well, how did that happen? Because the church developed and grew. And it came from persecution. Can we endure persecution? America's, American churches say, we can endure persecution. We'll work for Jesus. We're willing to suffer for Jesus. And then COVID shuts us down. And when we can't get people coming back to church, I'm saying America can't get churches back to church. America can't get people back to church. Well, why? Because their churches did not foster a healthy environment to learn and grow. They were fun centers. There are concerts. We need to make sure that we at Anchor Baptist Church, amongst ourselves, develop an environment that the pastor can get up here and rip our face if it needs be. Spank us, take us to the woodshed spiritually. Let God take us to the woodshed through the preaching. And we come out of it just okay. We need to get to where we can be vulnerable one to another and say, hey, I've got this problem in my life and I need prayer. And we can pray one for another where we can be held accountable one to another. That's a good environment. Education. No secular doctrine ought to be taught. No worldly propaganda. There's no time for theories, just sound doctrine. Learning how to serve the Lord through the lives of others in the local church. We find that in verses 11 through verse 24. Now, if you look at these, if you look at these verses and you, and you go home and study these verses out, you'll find these five things listed. And they all start with the letter E. It's amazing. Number three, evaluation. It teaches us to receive rebuke, reproof, and instruction. It allows critiques. It allows us to evaluate or to examine ourselves. 
a couple weeks ago, I was sitting, I was here, I don't know what day it was, I think it was during a, during a teen activity, and pastor was dropped off Christina, and I said, hey, can I talk to you for about five, five minutes? He said, sure. He got in my van, we started talking. I locked the door, so nobody could bother us. My air conditioning went out, he didn't care. <laughs> we sat there and talked for like, I don't know, 30 minutes. And I asked him, I laid all my cards on the table, and I said, what am I doing wrong? Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I have made myself vulnerable. He didn't tell me what I did wrong, but ever since then, he's been preaching at me. Like, come on. No, just kidding. But no, seriously, you want evaluation. You want, I'm kidding about, he didn't really preach at me like that. He's preaching against my wife. But, but, um, but evaluation, how to receive rebuke. You know, the Bible says, preach the word, right? Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. I remember when I was in New York, there's this, there's, the church was just so used to just happy-go-lucky. And I came in, I didn't have a lot of happy-go-lucky. And I wasn't like mean, I wasn't like, you know, like the first half of Pollyanna, but I wasn't like the second half of either. You know, I was like, this is different. Like we gotta, you know, and they, they, every time we had a meal, they came. But if we didn't have a meal, they didn't come. So I sent the announcement out to everybody that we're having a meal. I set the downstairs auditorium, I had the kids go upstairs with my wife for the kids class. I set the downstairs, had tables all downstairs. I put the fine china plates all on everybody's placemats, made it look like we're having a great big banquet. Boy, they were excited. People who sat in the back would fall asleep, sat up front. Boy, they were excited. I might take the entire auditorium lengthwise and just set up like having, or having a banquet. And boy, they were excited. And I said, okay, before we, before we have the meal, I said, I want to say a few words. And I got my Bible out and started preaching 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I had on pieces of paper, rebuke repuff, reproof, and then exhort on three different pieces of paper. And I said, you know, on a, you know everybody says that on a good meal, you've got to have your, you've got to have your, your vegetables. It's, that's your base, your vegetables. And you've got to have your fruit and grains, your, your vet, grains, and you want your meat. And I kind of said, this is where it's got to be. And I said, you can't live on your fruits. On your fruits. You can't live on sweets. You want to live on the good. I said, the good protein, the things that helps you grow. And I, and I later layered that. And I layered the papers just the way so it reproof, rebuke, were the big pieces of the paper, and then the cherry on top was exhort. And I just set it down on everybody's plate exactly right. And at the end of the service, I said, thanks for coming. They're like, no food? I'm like, go ahead. I'm like, that was the sermon. And then one of the guys was like, I get it. I get it. And then afterwards, I look over, and this one guy had a whole stacking plate full of just, you know, edify, and gave everybody else reproof, rebuke. I'm like, you hypocrite. <laughs> but it was just funny. But, it was just, but the, the point was made, the point was made that church is not just a place of fluff or of encouragement. And I'm not saying encouragement is fluff. But if I don't take correction of fixing why my life is wrong or my, why, my, 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 why my week was wrong this week, I'll never get right. If I go to my doctor and he says, boy, I tell you what, I wish all my patients were like you. I bet you would. I'm paying his college, his kids college. <laughs> you know, like I wish all my patients were like you. Yeah, but I'm a never ending customer. But what if, I, what if they came to me and said, hey, you really need to change this. Your blood pressure is way too high. You, you need to lower your cholesterol. You need to watch your blood sugar. You need to lose weight. Well, that's right. I'm, you're offending me. How, how dare you judge? But seriously, that's what we do with the preaching. 
Last Sunday, the pastor was preaching about the prodigal son. I paid attention. I took notes. My wife needed to hear sermon. But, um, but we need that evaluation. We need the edification. The edification is necessary, not just reproof and rebuke. If it's all we're getting is browbeated from the pulpit, why come? Don't tell me all that I'm doing wrong. Show me what I'm doing right. Positive reinforcement. Edification. Encourage someone in doing right. We find that in verses number 11 through verse number 24. If you take the verses, if you, if you boil down what's being said in these verses, is these five points. Being built up. Others investing into others. Being vulnerable to, being vulnerable to others and letting others minister to us. Do you know anybody who can always be a blessing to you, but you can't ever be a blessing to them? You know what I mean? I don't like those kind of relationships. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Let me be a blessing to you. Let me find a way to be a blessing to you. Oh, no, no, I'm fine. Well, if, you can't be a bless- if I can't be a blessing to you and you can only be a blessing to me, then I'm your ministry and we don't have a relationship. That's not a real friendship. That's not real relationships if you can only be a blessing to me and I can't ever be a blessing to you. Also, if people can only be a blessing to you and you can never be a blessing to anyone else, that's also not a good, that's not also not a good situation to be in. We're supposed to be in it together. Each of us, according to the Bible in Romans chapter 12, 13 and 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, we find that we're members one of another. Ephesians chapter 3, we're all members and we all have gifts, spiritual things that God has given us, not talents, but gifts, not things that we're talented by, not work ethics that we have developed, not things that come natural, but things that God has given us after we got saved, after we got saved. If I was a car salesman before I got saved, and now I can sell snake oil, I'm a salesman by birth, right? I'm not, much, I'm not, I'm not anything special there. But if God has blessed me with a, with, a, with a spiritual gift since I got saved, my responsibility is to use that gift to benefit y'all's life. And the individual gifts that God has given you, your responsibility is to bless me and encourage me and build me up in my life as unto the Lord. And where do we do that at? Church. Last one is execution. Now, this is usually what business meetings are about. No jokes. Wow. Okay, so execution. I guess we've been through a business meeting or two, haven't we? But um, execution means this is, what, this is doing it, actually putting it to practice. Where do we do that at? At the church. Well, I can worship God at home. And you should. But also at church. If you're not worshiping God at home and saving it for Sundays, who are you worshiping? Amen. We ought to worship God Everywhere. The Bible says that I would have men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without doubting. We should worship God everywhere. But where should we worship God also at? Church. Praising the Lord, being among the assembly of believers, praising God together in church. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? To exhort one another, to lift up our name, to lift up our our voice together with the Lord and, and just worship the Lord to praise him, to, to, to adore him. Well, my prayers get answered just as much at home as they do at church. You're right. Well, maybe. How are you living? How is your prayer life? How, how, is, how is your Bible reading? 
if we don't hear God's law, God doesn't answer our prayer. That's Bible. Church is full of hypocrites. This is where I get snarky. Oh, so there wasn't room for one more? <laughs> We're all hypocrites. Every last one of us. Someone says that, oh, church is full of hypocrites. Oh, start a religion. Show me your leak key on your keyboard. Do you have any, let me see your used pencil collection. Do you own any whiteout? Churches, all they want is money. I told this to Preston this past week, jokingly. I said, no, what I really want is your left kidney, but it doesn't sound weird when I ask for money. <laughs> it's like, seriously, of course we need money. We've got to pay the bills. How are the lights going to stay on? Pastor, all he's doing is pass the plate. Well, the pastor doesn't pass the plate. The ushers do. It's Brother Hamby. It's he wants the money. <laughs> I can watch TV on my television. Oh, yeah, great. So you watch TV on, on, you watch, you, you know, watch TV on your, you watch church on your TV. That's amazing. Did you know we live stream on YouTube? Oh, I don't like watching, I don't like watching church online. The TV specialist said that the internet was warping our brains. That literally was an excuse someone told me. I don't watch live stream on the internet because the TV said the internet warps our brains. <laughs> someone literally told me that and I just laughed. The roof may cave in. Silly. There's a better chance that the earth is going to swallow up before the roof caving in. <laughs> Anyways, the real reason people have abandoned church is because the church represents an absolute in their life that people are disgusted in it themselves or disgusted that the church no longer upholds. Ask those people. They judge the church for not being a place of righteousness and loving kindness and true judgment or discernment. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like week one, amazing. Scandal, self-righteous, and hateful hurt towards others. Splits happen because of this. And I'm not talking about our attitude towards the world. I'm talking about the attitude towards one another. In the church, be at peace amongst yourselves. By the way, God still hates sin regardless of what month it is. The world is nauseated that churches embrace the rainbow flags. They're not impressed that, we embrace, that the churches have started embracing the rainbow flags. They aren't celebrating our, diverse, our diversity. They're appalled that churches have caved. Why? Because they're looking to the church for stability in an ever-changing world, and the church has caved. We're supposed to resemble the pillar. We're supposed to be the pillar and ground for truth. And if we've caved to society, if the church has caved to society... They're appalled by that. Why compromise? But not Anchor Baptists. But I'm talking about the church in general. God wants us to wrestle. God wants us to fight. God wants us to war. Just not with each other. Amen. Strive together. Right? Just not with flesh and blood. We need to make the church accountable again. Let's awake from our sleep. We need accountability. The war for the world is won in the church. If you want to win the war, it's won through church. Why? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said that. In advancing church, you know, gates, gates, the, the gates of hell don't move except open and shut. They're not offensive weapons. They're defensive weapons. So what is attacking the gates of hell? It ought to be the church triumphant. Not the church militant. We've already won the war. 
We ought to go in Christ's name and, and go soul winning and go to, that, go to that house, knock on the door with boldness. Go tell that person with boldness and love that Jesus loves them. And hey, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you've got to get right with, you've got to, you know, hey, that Christian who's wayward, you've got to get right with God. That brother or sister in Christ that's not been faithful, hey, we sure do need you back on Sunday nights. We sure need you here on Wednesday nights. Hey, you know we have Sunday school at 11? I'm sorry, at 10? At 11 o'clock would be awesome too. But we need Sunday school. We need to be here. But the war on the church is one in the Christian home. Of our Christian homes, if we, uh, this is what Pastor Jacobs told me a couple weeks ago, and I heard it before and I heard it again, but I'm going to quote it since we all know who Pastor Jacobs is. If we lose our family, we lose everything. If we lose our, if we lose our kids, we've lost. We need to have the understanding of the absolute of church. It ought to be something that we are anchored in. Number two, we ought to be anchored in the. We ought to be anchored in our by commandment honing, commandment honing. In Romans chapter number two, verses twelve through twenty-nine, the Bible tell, the Bible talks about the Jews, those who are Jews outwardly, that do not the things that please God. They don't obey the commandments. They don't put God first. They don't serve God. They don't fear God. And then he talks about those who do fear God, like the Gentiles, that do fear God, that do keep His commandments. And he says, we have blessings because of it. And they don't get the blessings. Why don't, get the, why don't they get the blessing? They don't get the blessing because they don't fear God. Fear God and keep his commandments. The blessings fall on those who keep his commandments. We ought to love the commandments. The law of God. The law of God is not just the law of Moses. The law of Moses contains the law of God. We're not bound to the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, but the moral civil laws that are written upon our hearts. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Right? Those are things that we uphold. Those are things that we hold to. We find those being passed on to the New Testament. We find them being passed on through Christ, through Paul, through Peter. We find those things being spoken to us. Those aren't done away with. We're still under that law. We're not under the ceremonial law. We're not under the dietary law. Thank God for bacon and lobster. Lobster, wicked awesome, right? So thank God for that. But we should, we should understand that the law that we serve is written upon our hearts, not for us to get saved, but for others to see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And where do we do that? Well, it ought to start at church. Judgment must first start at the house of God. And it ought to be in our lives. We should not run from the law. Grace is, our way out. Grace is not our way out. It's our way in. We're enjoined to the promises of God. We're, we have those promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen through Christ. God holds us to the law of God. The, written, the Bible says that the Gentiles which have not the law, it's written upon their hearts. It's written on my heart. The law of God is written on my heart. We should do his commandments. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. John 14, 15. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. First John chapter 5, verse 4. Oh, and his commandments? They're not grievous. They're not hard. My wife doesn't like me putting dirty towels on the floor. It's not grievous. She'll get over it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I purpose I don't hang my dirty towels on the floor. I love my wife. It may sound stupid. It may sound silly to put a dirty towel on the floor. But you know what? I don't put them on the floor. I do things that please my wife. Hey, I'm going to do the things that please God. Why? Because I love God. 
I want his blessing on my life. I want him to, I want to do it because I love, even if he never blesses me ever again, he's done enough for me already, saving my worthless, sorry soul. How can I not love him? How can I not serve him? He's been so good. I would rather disobey him. We have a propensity to obey his commandments as we're believers and as we, the, we have the new man inside of us that desires to do the things of God. The flesh wars against it. As we're not, I'm not talking about sinless perfection, okay, but we have a propensity to obey his commandments. The new man is born of God and does the things that pleases God. We find that all through 1 John. It's not sinless perfection, thanks to our flesh. Brother Tannis will tell you all the time, how are you doing? I'm not dead yet. He's not suicidal. He's not grieving. He's not wanting for physical death. He wants spiritual death. And everybody here does too. Amen? We all want him to die. Just <laughs> I joke with him all the time like about that. <laughs> Last week, a couple weeks, I went over to him and said, hey, Brother Dennis, how you doing? He goes, I'm still here. I said, I know, man. <laughs> sinless perfection. It's not talking about the sinless perfection. We're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven. We're going to fail. Thank God he's faithful and just to forgive us. But that new man... That new man, he doesn't sin. It's our flesh that sins. Provision. He gives us propensity. We have a propensity. We have a provision to, to obey his commandments. Christ kept the law. He is our righteousness. The Holy Spirit is in us. He guides us. He equips us. It's provided for us to keep his commandments. He, the promises are for those who obey his commandments. We have the, we have the propensity. We have provision. We have the promise. Children, we love this one as parents. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Well, that's Old Testament. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Why? That it may be well with thee. Thou mayest live long upon the earth. Because if you don't, I'm taking you out. <laughs> lastly, look at Colossians chapter 3. Sorry, Colossians chapter 1, way off. I should probably put my glasses on. Yeah, I got two minutes. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse number 16. This is talking about Christ. It says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We, everything consists because he exists, right? Verse number 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We need to have our lives not just a, not just a church home, not just commandment honing, that we're focusing ourselves on doing his will, but also we need to be christ honoring. Now, if we're in a church home, it doesn't mean that we're, it doesn't mean guaranteed that we're going to be Christ, we're going to be Christ honoring. If we, if we go to church, it doesn't mean we're always going to be, there's a lot of people who go to church that are hypocrites. Amen. You're looking at one of them right now. I try, but I'm a hypocrite. I know I'm supposed to die daily and I try, but I seriously try. I'm a hypocrite because as soon as I kill it, he comes back to life. I think I kill it, and then I get back and give it CPR. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> for whatever reason, on Sunday mornings, you know, I kill my flesh, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going to serve the Lord today, and the kids do something, uh, just, I don't know, the kids just be kids, and I'm like, ah, 
today. I'm like, Lord, I'm a, I just want to be in the spirit. Lord, please fill me. I want to please just speak your word clearly today. And then coming up the highway, there's a guy camped out in the left-hand lane going 55 and a guy in the right-hand lane going 60. And like, they're going neck and neck and I couldn't pass him. And I'm like, oh, sure enough, giving CPR to the old man. Amen. Now, if your husband, you call the old man, please stop. <laughs> but but there's preeminence in your life. First place ought to come to Christ. Number two, pleasure in our life. The first place in our life ought to go to Christ, but our ple- the pleasure in our life, the things that we, the thing, who finds pleasure in our life? If it's the world finding pleasure in our life, something's wrong. If the world can stomach us, there's something wrong. Now, we've got to live, as much as life in us, we've got to live peaceably with all men. We've got to live peaceably with people around us. But when push comes to shove, they wanted to, they, they wanted to, they were mocking Noah as he pounded nail after nail, I think they used nails, into the ark. As he preached righteousness for 120 years, they mocked and ridiculed and scorned him. For 120 years, mocked him, ridiculed The world's not going to get around us as we, oh, look at that church. Now they're a little different, but they mean well. They put up signs this month, no room for hate. We hate hate. (laughs) Hate is okay as long as you hate the haters. I'm like, you are a hater. How dare you judge, right? I mean, this this is the whole, they don't like, they don't like, they don't like abnormal, abnormal things. Right? That's why they're always trying to get everybody down to a just a certain, get rid of the extremists, get rid of the extremists, and get everybody on the normal. Trying to bring about a normal, right? Whether they're way off wicked or they're way out righteous, we're just trying to normalize everything. But we ought to, we ought to live our life to please God. The Bible says in Micah chapter 6, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord doth re- hath required of thee, but to do just, to love mercy, to do justly, and to walk humbly with our God. Right? We talked about in verse 1. That's what God has showed us to do and how we find pleasure in our lives. Praise because of our life. We ought to have praise. Christ ought to have not just get pleasure in our life, but Christ ought to be praised in our life. That other people see us and say, praise God. Praise God for that person. Praise God for him. Praise God for Lana. Faithful. Serves the Lord, doing her absolute best to serve God week in, week out. Praise God for her. Praise God for Brother Skelf. Week in, week out, the Skelf family, regardless of their health, they're here, they're faithful. And I'm, not picking, I'm just picking out a couple names because they're this side, this side. But I mean, anyone, everyone in between, think about it. We, we sit back, the, we ought to praise God for each other's lives. But it's not because, hey, we're trying to give them a big head, but all praise goes to God. God, you're doing a great work in their life, and the church is benefited because of it. Let's be angered together. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless this application of the lesson. I pray, Lord, you'd have your will and way in our hearts. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Um, Lord, thank you for the church. I pray, Lord, help us to be all that we're supposed to be for you through this church as we serve together. Thank you for for these people, Lord, as I grow to love them. I pray that you would uh, do great things in our midst. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Anchored, C-H, church home, commandment honoring and Christ honoring.
Maybe you need a church home. Maybe you need to honor God's commandments. Maybe you need to honor Christ with your life. As the piano plays, whatever the need, the altar's open.